I love Michigan. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful state. And, um, man, when you go to the Great Lakes, just think this. No sharks, no salt. I mean, come on. You can get in there. I mean, the water is freezing, and uh, you come out like an ice cube. But, uh, no, it's great. It's great to uh, be together with you guys this morning. Um, I wonder by a show of hands, real quick, how many of you have ever put together a Lego set? You've ever put together a Lego set? All right, look around the room. Come on now. There, there's a lot of people who have put together some Lego sets. Um, in fact, uh, my youngest son, Josiah, loves Legos. Since he was young, uh, he started putting together Duplos, and then from Duplos, he moved into, you know, like some of the more, uh, in, I don't know, just difficult Lego sets to where now, even as a young man, a teenager, he still loves doing Lego sets. Um, this past uh, few weeks back, we got away for a little family getaway, and and uh, I gave each one of the kids just a little bit of spending money. He actually spent his spending money uh, on Legos. That's how much he still enjoys them, putting them together and uh, doing that. There's something about taking something from nothing and then creating something with it. And I think for all of us, we can relate to this idea of Legos because I, I think we all like to create. How many of you like to create things? Raise your hand. Yeah, I think all of us like to create things. We like to create things with our hands. We like imagining what things could be like. And um, I remember when Josiah, when he was little, he would sit down at the table and we would um, lay out all the Legos for him. And then he would actually be the one who would actually have to just find the piece. We would show him a picture and we would say, as we're building it, more us building it as parents, um, we had to find the piece, and he would find the piece, and we would say, no, that's not the right one. He'd say, well, what about this one? And, and finally, he would locate it, and we'd say, yeah, that's the one, and then we'd show him how to put it together, and he would watch us, and, and what happened as time went on is he began realizing he could build it himself, and as he began building, he started realizing that he didn't need mom and dad sitting there anymore, and so he would get a Lego set, and he would immediately go downstairs to his room and begin putting it together. He couldn't wait to put the Lego set together, and um, there was always different steps to the Lego set, right? Like there's, I don't know if you've ever put together some of those big sets where there's like multiple bags inside of the Lego set, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, they at least got wise. You know, back in the day, they used to just throw them all inside of there and you had to kind of figure it out. But then they began realizing if we could put them in different stages, it would make it a little bit easier. But what would happen is, is individual pieces that by themselves didn't carry a lot. Like you never looked at that individual piece and thought, oh, that's a, you know, helicopter or that is uh, a spaceship or, or, or whatever it may be that you were building. That's a castle. You never really looked at that. In fact, if you were to try to build a Lego set, the only way without looking at either the directions or the box to know what was in there was by the minifigs. You know what I'm talking about, the minifigs? Like, Josiah actually, when he was younger, would buy sets based upon the minifigs. If it had more minifigs inside of the Lego set, that was Josiah's jam. He was like, that's the ones I want. It's the ones that have a bunch of little minifigs. Those are the little, the little guys and the gals, you know, that are dressed in different costumes and different things. And, and he would buy them based upon that. But what would happen is, is, in the beginning, you would look at those individual pieces and you would think to yourself, these individual pieces can't account for much. But as time would go on, those individual pieces would begin to build something. Now, I'm looking for a volunteer today, somebody who likes Legos. Like, I mean, you don't just like Legos. In fact, let me just, I'm looking for somebody who loves Legos. So, Anyone out there who just loves Legos, just raise your hand. You're like, I just, I love Legos. All right. Ava? Ava, you love Legos? Do you? All right, come up, come up on stage real quick. Ava loves Legos. Ava, this is your seat right here. All right. Inside of here, I have a bunch of Legos, okay? 
You love Legos, right? Okay. And so I thought to myself, what does every person who's going to put together Legos need? They need snacks. Okay. So you've got some snacks here for you. You're going to get to eat in front of everybody in the church. Okay. I know this is like your, this is your dream come true. You love the attention. No? Oh. Okay. That is number two. So you already located the second one. All right. So this is number one and this is number two. All right. And here's what I need you to do. Here you go. Do you like um, pomegranate blue burst Mountain Dew? You don't? You don't drink energy drinks? Well, you're going to need to. This is 180 milligrams of caffeine. It's not healthy? No, it's not. But it's good to drink. And um, so here, take a little swig of that. Is this your first time ever drinking an energy drink? Yes. All right, I'm introducing her into a whole new world. Okay. There, what's in that? Yes. 180 milligrams of caffeine <laughs> and sugar. Look, but listen, look, look right here. Immune support and mental boost. That's why I got this for you because mental boost, you need mental boost, all right? And then what else I got for you is this, some snacks, okay? You like snacks, right? Cinnamon, look, and these are healthy. They're apple cinnamon straws, Okay. So if you need any of those, those are there for you, okay? All right, so this is number two. This is number one. Go ahead and build what you're supposed to build here, okay? So you're going to build it while we're all here. I'm literally going to preach a sermon while you build Legos. Okay. You can do that? Okay, all right, cool. All right. Now, don't be distracted by her the whole time, okay? And if you see her drinking too much energy drink, her parents are going to kill me already, but it's okay. <laughs> her dad works for me, so it's all good. But um, here's what I know about Lego sets is that we're a lot like Lego sets. So just go with me for a second. We're all different shapes. We're all different sizes. We're all different parts. We're all different personalities. But God actually wants to join us together to make something unique. He wants to bring us together and create a picture for us. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open up to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. How's it going back there? You don't know? You put, oh, you put together a little guy. That's great. What else are you putting together? Huh? You think it's a race car? Why, how do you know it's a race car? Oh, it's a race car guy. Okay, all right. See, I told you. Didn't I say that? I said, how do you know what the set is? It's based upon what? The minifig. You always know it based upon the minifig. Um, this series that we're in is called For Pete's Sake. Everyone say, For Pete's Sake. And uh, we've been walking through chapter by chapter um, Peter's letter to the early church. And I think it's something that really applies to us today. That's one of the things I love so much about God's Word is we can, we can look at it in context, but we also, as we're reading it, can actually begin to realize that God actually has a plan and purpose that if we follow His Word, follow His instructions, then we can actually build something together. Everyone say together. Together, because each and every one of us are needed to build something. And that's what we're going to see in chapter 3 today, that each and every one of us have a part. We have a part to play in the story of the gospel. Each and every one of us. Today, you have a part to play. Each and every one of us are different shapes and personalities and gifts. But all of us, when unified together, can build something amazing. So chapter 1, we talked about um, how, uh, for Pete's sake, be different. Everyone say, be different. It's okay to be different, isn't it? It's okay not to be like everybody else who's out there. It's okay to be different. Last week, we talked about this idea of living free, but we talked about how freedom, though, comes through submission. And how I think for many of us, we struggle with this idea of submission because we live in the land of the free and the land of the brave, and we're democratic Americans who, you know, we got rights and all those different things. And we talked about how God has actually called us to live free, but through submission. Today we're going to jump into 1 Peter chapter 3, 
And what we're going to see is we're going to see how God actually has a plan, a road map for us and our lives together. And that that road map actually helps us build something amazing together. Let's check back in. Ava, how's it going back there? What do you got? You got a car. You think? What do you need? instructions you have instructions you're just not using them you're like a typical Christian who has the instructions there the whole time and uh, <laughs> you just put them underneath your snacks they're literally right on the table the whole time I you didn't do you want a snack do you want some more sugar come on just eat <laughs> eat one of these you got gum in your mouth here spit your gum out no, don't. <laughs> okay that's gross okay all right all right, I won't touch your gum, but that's gross that you're eating gum and a straw. Okay, all right. Will these help you? Yeah. Those will help you. Yeah, that's right. Um, see, so many of us are trying to build things without ever looking at God's word. And we try to figure it out, and she was getting close. I mean, she had some fenders on there. There were some things that were coming together, right? But she really couldn't build it until she actually looked at the instructions. The instructions are laid out so that, you know, actually step by step, brick by brick, she'll be able to build something. And hopefully at the end of the gathering, you, you don't have a whole lot of time, but at the end of the gathering, you'll be able to um, show us what it is. She thinks it's a race car based upon the little race car guy in there. And I think some of us in our own lives, when it comes to the Word of God, it's, a, it's so many times something that we just, we leave. We leave it on the, the nightstand at home. We have it as an app on our phone, but we don't ever really open it up. Or we just look at the verse of the day from you version, which is great, but we don't ever really dig into God's Word because we're like, well, I got my verse for the day. And man, that verse was really good today. Can I just encourage you, if you'd spend some time digging into God's Word, you could get even more out. If you think one verse makes an impact on your life, I'm telling you, when you study God's word and you begin to apply it to your life, it has an even greater impact on your life. And that's the beauty of the gospel, is that the gospel in play actually has a huge impact on our lives. So today I want to talk about this idea of, for Pete's sake, be one. Everyone say, be one. Be one. It's interesting because... Peter starts off this letter in chapter 3 talking about how God has called us to be one. And he's already been talking about in chapter 2 about how we live free through submission. And then chapter 3 starts off by him addressing wives. Um, when we dig into this in chapter 1 it says this. In the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. He then says this. He says to them, basically, listen, people are going to know you're a follower of Jesus by the way you submit to your husband. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first part of this chapter because I believe it's just a continuation of how true freedom comes through submission now before you hang me out and say that's not what we're being taught in culture today can I just tell you God's word many times is different than culture and what God's trying to teach us through his word is he's trying to show us that his word when applied to our lives will actually bring people closer to him Peter addresses it then in verses 3 through 6, he says there are more important things to be concerned about than just your outward appearance. He's talking still to the ladies, and he's saying it's not about, you know, the things you adorn yourself with, but it's really what's on the inside. And then he doesn't just leave it there, though. Then he goes and addresses the husbands. In verse uh, 7, he says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. 
Let, let me just draw attention to one thing real quick. He says right off the bat, he says that they're equal partners. Now, it's interesting because we can take the first uh, part out of context. And I've seen men do this all the time. My wife is to submit to me. I'm the man of the house, and she'll submit. And when I come home, she does X, Y, Z, and that's her job. And then we've seen a movement the other way where women are like, I ain't doing X, Y, Z for no man. I don't need no man in my life, right? (laughs) So then we swing the pendulum all the way over here. I believe what Jesus has always done is Jesus is always one who's trying to take the pendulums that we live in and bring us back to the center. Anything in your life that is so far one way, you need to evaluate that in your life. Whether that's your political stance, whether it's something that you're just so strongly passionate about. When you won't allow any other viewpoint into your life, you may find yourself at an extreme and God may be trying to call you back to a place of balance. When you look at the law, he says, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. When he talks about love and mercy, he says we are to be in that, but it's not just about just mercy where I can just sin and do all the, whatever I want. He's saying there's balance. And so once again in here, he's addressing the balance that is called to be in the home. He says to husbands, she is your equal partner. In fact, he says this, and this is a pretty big thing. You should treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Now that carries some weight with it, doesn't it, fellas? Man, I'm just praying for that promotion at work, but I'm disrespecting my wife on a regular basis, and we wonder why God's not answering our prayer. Man, I'm just praying for breakthrough in my home and in my kids' lives, and we're not seeing the breakthrough happen, and we wonder what is going on, but yet we're disrespecting our wife. We're treating her more like a slave than an equal partner. Free, like living free comes through submission, yes, but it also comes through us recognizing that we're equal partners in this. I can't tell you how many times Kasha and I will be sitting there talking and we'll just say, man, aren't you so glad that we get to do life? Or I'll say to her, I'm so glad I get to do life with you. Because she completes so many of the areas in my life where I'm weak. And the same for me. We make a great couple. God knew what he was doing when he brought us together. And so many times I sit there and I think, man, this is so fantastic. But can I tell you, sometimes I don't always feel that way. Sometimes the things that she completes drive me nuts. And sometimes the things that I complete in her drive her nuts. And sometimes we're just at it. And we don't like each other. And it doesn't matter how dressed up she is and how fine looking she is. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. Not normally, let's just be honest, but, yeah, okay, so never am I that way. But still, inside, I'm like, oh, man. And um, come on, if you're a married person in the house, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, fellas. You could be so mad at her, and she's like, I just want to kiss. And you're like, all right, fine. But I can say to her, I just want to kiss, and she's like, "Uh uh-uh. Or she gives me what's called the blow-off kiss. You know what I'm talking about, fellas? You go and you're like, there's nothing behind it. It's like, it's like kissing, like, cardboard. You know, it's like, you're just like, what? Nothing. Anyway, so that's not in the notes. And Kasha's not here today, so I'm going to get in trouble. She's, she's, uh, she's in Florida picking up our friends for uh, their kids for camp. Uh, We believe in camp so much that she's literally going down to Florida to pick up our our, uh, friends' kids and bring them back, and they'll be at camp this next week, and I'm just super pumped for that, and man, it's it's just going to be great. Our kids are going to be going at kids' camp this week, so be praying for them as well. Be praying that God would just do something in the hearts and lives of each and every one of our kids. There's, there's so many great things that are happening this summer. And I, I know sometimes as adults we go, man, it just feels like it's always for kids. And can I just tell you, let's pour into the next generation. Let's just continue to invest in them. You heard Pastor Bryce talk about it earlier. One of the heart's desire of me and Kasha as well as, as our church leadership is just to invest into the next generation. We believe one encounter with Jesus can change everything. 
And we believe that those kids are individual pieces that when we look at the instruction manual, the Bible, we can really begin to build something amazing. And I believe that's what Peter's addressing here. Peter isn't just talking to couples. Because we can look at couples and we can say, okay, yeah, couples, you know, we can see how together they're created as, you know, like God brings them together. It's two who become one. We can understand semi-unity in a couple, right? I mean, for the most part, we can see that. It's just two people. But if I was to tell you unity can be actually in this room with all the various different people here, that becomes a little bit more complicated. Because we all look at it and we go, well, man, I don't like the way that was going. Some of you didn't like one thing that happened in worship already, or you didn't like this moment, or someone didn't say hi to you, or this, or whatever it may be. Or you came in today expecting one thing. Man, I really like it when we do more hymns. I wish they wouldn't just do one lyric of the hymns. I wish they could do the whole hymn. Why don't we do the whole hymn? Why don't we just do one part of the hymn, Pastor Eric? Right? We could all have our different personalities, different opinions, different talents, different gifts. But when we actually come together in a place of unity, something amazing happens. And that's what Peter's addressing here. Peter starts off by getting a hold of our attention and saying there can be unity in a marriage. Now he's going to say there can be unity when we actually come together. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this idea, for Pete's sake, be one. He said, anything which hinders prayer must be wrong. If any management of the family or want of management is injuring our power in prayer, there is an urgent demand for an alteration. What is Peter, or what is Spurgeon talking about? He's talking about the power that happens when husbands actually fall into realizing their spouse is their equal partner. When husbands spend time praying for them, then what happens is, is it provides the proper management of the family. Your responsibility as a husband is not to only provide for your family. The Bible's clear that we're also to pray for our family. To pray for our kids, to pray for our wife, to pray for our finances, to pray over the things that are happening in our lives. And when we actually treat our partner as an equal partner, recognizing them as God's gift of new life. Did you catch that there? That literally the scriptures say it's God's gift of new life to us. Can I tell you, when Kasha came into my life, it was a gift that God had given me. And every day I'm discovering new gifts that she brings to me, to my life, to my family. I'm constantly amazed at the things she's doing. And sometimes I'm learning through her mistakes and sometimes I'm learning through the moments of celebration. And as a husband, I walk with her in her mistakes, and I walk with her in her celebrations. I don't get to pick and choose and say, well, you know, when things are going good, then that's when I'll walk with you. No, I'll walk with her in her hard seasons. This past year has been a really difficult year with her personally, with some things in her family and family dynamics, and it's been difficult, but I've walked alongside of her. Why? Because as a husband, I have a responsibility to pray for her, to support her, to provide for her, ultimately to love her unconditionally. And so sometimes I don't understand why she wants to cry. I really don't. And I'll, 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 I'll ask her, and she'll say, I don't know. I'm just emotional right now. And then I'll say, is it that time of month? And then she'll, <laughs> She'll say, no. It's not always that. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I just... Come on, fellas. You know what I'm, <laughs> am I the only one that does that? Oh, okay. All right, Brandon, at least you and me. Sarah's calling you out. Says it's you and me at least. No, but seriously, like we're, we, we struggle in that. And Peter is addressing this issue. And so let's, let's keep reading on. He says this in verse, verse 8 of chapter 3. He says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Now I want you to grab a hold of that. Be of one mind. When we talk about this idea today, for Pete's sake, be one. Everyone say that, be one. Be one. Be one. 
What could it look like if all of us, individual pieces, were allowing ourselves through the word of God to be put together to make something amazing? What could happen? I don't know about you, but people are different. Just yesterday I was in Ann Arbor. People are different. <laughs> like, have you been to Ann Arbor lately? It's like a whole other world over there. Like, I walk around here, no one wears masks in Adrian. No one does. I mean, there's a few people every now and then, but come on. Are you all really vaccinated? Come on, honestly? <laughs> are you? Because I don't think so. <laughs> Because I've talked to a few of you who are like, ain't no way they're going to put that in me. That's like the 666. That's the devil right there. Okay. <laughs> and then you go into the store and it says, if you're not vaccinated, put a mask on. I ain't wearing no mask. Rah! So angry. It's like, whoa, calm down. It's okay. But in Ann Arbor, like, everyone's wearing a mask. Like, everyone there, like, follows the rules. And so I'm in the, I'm in the mall, and <laughs> I'm in the mall walking around, and, you know, I'm just, I mean, one of the things I love so much about Ann Arbor, and this is, it, this is the truth, I, I love the diversity of Ann Arbor. Like, there's just, I love seeing different cultures come together, and um, well, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm in the mall, I'm doing some returns for Kasha, um, and which was fantastic, and there's a whole other story there, but we won't go into that. It's a little weird going into Victoria's Secrets, and uh, I need to return this, <laughs> and uh, and then she's like, I need you to pick up this, and I'm like, okay, and so I'm, I wonder if these fit, you know, <laughs> anyways. See, she's not here today. I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble, a lot, a lot of trouble. Um, back to the notes. Thanks, Sarah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, yeah, different beliefs, different styles, um, different people there. Um, so I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the store, and um, I was actually in the buckle, and I'm in the buckle, and this girl comes walking by, and um, she was very colorful. Uh, her hair was very colorful. Her outfit was very little, um, and... Uh, <laughs> It was like this leather corset thing. Uh, I, don't, I think it's a corset. Anyways, um, and then she had like all these stockings and boots and like lots of uh, hardware uh, uh, everywhere. She was, she, was really, she was really nice when she literally pushed me out of the way. And uh, I was like, oh, you're a little aggressive. And then like the guy who was shopping with her is like literally, he's like, And um, I was, I didn't really know how to respond in that moment when she did that. And <laughs> I was thinking about this passage literally today that I'm preaching from. And I literally thought, Lord, I'm supposed to be one with her. That's interesting. Because, see, for me, like, she seemed so completely different than me. She did, she did not seem like she was a part of the Lego set. <laughs> Honestly, I just, and the Lord challenged me in that moment, and he really, he really did. He challenged me. He said, Brian, could you love her? And it, and it wasn't just so much, it wasn't so much even just the way she was dressed and her appearance but it was the aggressive nature that she had when she literally pushed me out of the way. And I just remember sitting there going, God, like that's hard to love. And the Lord just said, but that's who I've called you to love. See, I, I think sometimes we love like rural America because we feel like we can, we can just pull away from the things around us in culture and we can kind of live and create our own commune, right? Our own little group of people that look like us, act like us, vote like us, think like us, dress like us. And, and then when people don't fit into that mix, we just go, well, you're not a part of the club, so get out of here. And, you know, what are you doing in Adrian, Michigan? Don't you know who we are? We're Republicans here. And they're like, well, actually, I wonder if, could I vote differently? No, we're Republicans. It's the birthplace of the Republican Party in Lenawee County. Don't you know that? And uh, so we get really aggressive. And anyways, sorry. Um, but the Lord said, 
Brian, for Pete's sake, Brian, be one. For Pete's sake, Brian, be one. Be one with people who don't look like you, who are aggressive towards you, who are, who are not nice, who are rude. Be one. It's interesting because the scriptures go on to say this. Um, Peter then says, after he's told us, finally, all of you should be of one mind, he says, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. So how do we live? How, how do we live in a place of unity? Well, Peter actually knows you're going to ask that question. And so he tells us how to do that. He says this. He says, sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. If I was to put this into four traits, here, here's what I, just to help us out. Four traits of being one. The first trait is this. Sympathy. You've got to have sympathy. Second is love. The third is is compassion, and the fourth is humbleness. These four traits speak to us of how we can be one, how we can, each and every one of us, different pieces, be a part of the Lego set together, right? We can be a part of what God's building. He's, he's the master builder. He's the one who put all the instructions together, knowing what you and I would need to build together. He knew it. When he wrote his word, when he wrote the word of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and over 50 different authors sat down and wrote out the scriptures under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what was God doing? He was creating for us the instructions of what he wanted us to build. And the beauty of who God is, is he knew that it could even transcend time to where today we could be digging into this ancient text and actually be applying it still to our lives together for Pete's sake, be one. But it's interesting because there's kind of this key to how we are one. It's not just about just saying, I'm going to be one, we're a place of unity, you know, we are family. It's not just that. It's through having one mind. Now, Peter doesn't continue to unpack this idea of being of one mind, so we need to look to other passages of Scripture, like 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It says this, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Everyone say this with me. Say, I have the mind of Christ. The scriptures tell us you have the mind of Christ. But the question is, is are you sitting there with the manual underneath the snacks? Are you sitting there with it over on the side and you never open it up? If you want to know the mind of Christ, then spend time in his word. Because as we spend time in his word, we get to know what his thoughts are and the various things that, that we need to apply to our lives. To have a common mind, to have a one mind, could only come through Christ. Because I don't know about you, when I think about this room, just this room, and you guys are great people. But for all of us to come to one thought, one mind, even though you're great people, seems almost impossible. Because I know how strongly opinionated some of you are. And I'm one of them. <laughs> but in Christ, in Christ, we can have one mind. Jesus actually makes it possible for us to be one. Though we're different pieces, though we have different talents, though we have different gifts, we can be one. God built us from a place of unity, and he believed, I believe this, God actually takes pleasure in the diversity of his creation. Could you imagine if every Lego piece was the same? Would it ever build something amazing? Nah. I mean, you, yeah, I've seen a few things, you know, like where someone took, you know, the same color blocks, and there's a few things you can build. You could build a wall. You could maybe build, like, you know, the shape of a building. You could maybe build a few things with the same piece. But isn't the beauty found in the diversity of the different types of pieces? And isn't the beauty of our culture right now that there is much diversity? 
to where actually there are people from different cultures and different backgrounds that when we get to heaven, guess what? We'll all have the same place, the same residence. There will be no geographical boundaries. We will all be one. When you think about it, God said he created us in his image. And his image is an image of diversity. Every cell in our body is different, and yet each and every one of us, that cell plays a role. Because inside of each and every one of our cells is a DNA code. And that DNA code makes us unique to us. No one else is that way. But when we combine together, God builds something amazing. How are you doing back there, Ava? Is it going good? Yeah, it looks pretty good. It's starting to look like a car. Good job. You're doing great. In fact, can you give her a big hand? I think she's a words of affirmation. Need some more of this? It is so strong, but that's mental fortitude right there, okay? Right here, and it's immune support. So when your mom and dad say you should never drink that again, it doesn't matter what Pastor Brian gives you. Remember right here, the caffeine in this, it says, is equal to two cups of coffee, 5% juice. Ooh, get this though, I'm a healthy person for you. Zero added sugar. It's got zinc, it's got vitamins A and C, it even has antioxidants. Drink some more. <laughs> it's pretty strong, isn't it? All right, all right. You're doing okay though? Yeah. Did the instructions help a lot? Yeah. Okay, good. You probably would have done it even without it. Yeah, that's what... You would have gotten wheels on it? I mean, you would have gotten close to how it was supposed to be, huh? Yeah. yeah. Man, that's a great example. Thank you. How many of you want to just get close? Anybody just want to get close? Man, yeah, you know, I'll just get close enough to what God's best is for me. Anybody just want to get close enough? How many of you actually want to get to how God designed it? Come on now, right? The master planner designed this a certain way. Could Ava have built something out of it? Yeah, she probably could have. Would it have been like the design of the master planner? No. Would it have had extra pieces laying over afterwards? Probably. See, all... <laughs> It's such a great example for us today to think about it because so many of us are like, I don't need other people. I can do it on my own. I don't need to follow instructions in some book, some Bible. That's just ancient text. I don't need that in my life. But if we're going to be of one mind, the scriptures actually says that there's steps to how we can be of one mind. So here we go. Sympathize with each other is the first one. Now think about this for a second. I was doing just a quick word study on the word sympathize right here. And what's interesting is, is out of these four different traits, three of them are not located anywhere else in the scripture. So this Greek word that's used for sympathize is not found anywhere else. This is the only time this Greek word is actually used in this. And I was doing some word study on it, and one of the things that it was talking about is this idea of sympathizing really boils down to this idea, understanding one another. How do we actually understand one another? How can we be of the same nature? How can we actually suffer together? How can we be of the same passion or persevere together? Those are some of the various thoughts that different commentators were actually talking about when they were saying what this passage could mean. So when we think about this, we're actually called to... Are you not going to eat the snacks? Okay. All right. Disappointed. I bought those snacks for you. All right, back to the notes. I was trying to sympathize and understand why she wasn't eating the snacks. But she said she'll eat them later. She's probably going to share them with your brother, are you? No. Okay. <laughs> She probably should be listening to this message, but instead, <laughs> she's building Legos. So, 
You can multitask. You're a woman, right? Yep. yep. All right. I, I support that. That's good. What would happen if we actually just were aware of what was happening around us? Do you think that would help us sympathize with others? What if we just knew people's stories around us? What if we knew the things they were facing? What if we knew their names? What if we knew some of the dreams so that we could help connect some of the dreams? I was talking with someone earlier today, right before the gathering, she was just talking about how God's been putting in her just a birth and a, a heart and desire to do real estate. And she's like, so I've just been reading and learning and just kind of, you know, reading different things. And I said, you know what? We have, a, we have a, a real estate agent in our church. I should connect you together. Because I'm why? I'm sympathizing. I'm trying to bring us to a place of unity. That's not just something that I have to work on. It's just something that naturally comes together when we're actually aware of the needs of others who are around us. What would have happened if in the middle of buckle I would have looked at that lady who pushed me aside just pushed her back. <laughs> just said, what's your problem? <laughs> she probably kicked my butt. <laughs> no, but seriously. What if instead of being put off by the moment, I would have pressed in and began just to hear some of her story? Why, why did you... Why did you push me? What, what did I do? <laughs> See, we've got to take time to understand each other if we're going to be in a place of unity. And Peter's saying that. He's saying, listen, you want to know how to be in one mind? You want to know how to have the mind of Christ? You've got to sympathize with others. Do you think Christ was sympathetic? Absolutely. He'd find himself walking along, and all of a sudden someone would yell out, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't just ignore that cry. He spoke to the cry. He met them right where they were. The second thing that we're challenged to do is to love each other as brothers and sisters. Everyone say love. love. This is like a pretty overused word in our culture. Uh, we use it for everything, right? Oh, I love that. That hamburger was so good. I love it. Ooh, I love Lake Michigan or whatever it may be. And so what's happened is, is we've made love just such a common theme that when we even read it on the page of Scripture, we go, yeah, I love, I love. But Peter knew that we would probably struggle with that, so he actually took it one step further, and he said that we are to love others as brothers and sisters. So he actually says you're to love like family. This one's a little bit easier to understand because all of a sudden when we go, oh, okay, we're not just talking about, you know, I love that cheeseburger or I love that car or I love that Lego set. We're actually talking about love that a family has. And that means that we love each other in the midst of the hard times, in the midst of the difficulties. We love each other because that's what family does. It means that we know each other's stories. It means that we know the preferences of the other people who are in our family. We know what it looks like to take care of them when they're ill and when they're hurting. It, it means we actually know how to celebrate with them. It means that we're family. Isn't that what family does? Like when family gets together, it's like let's not be in a place of like uh, where we're at each other. Let's actually be in a place of love. A place where it's like, man, I enjoy being together. One of the things that Kasha does really well is she sets our house up like a safe place. It's a haven. I don't come home and think that when a minute I walk in, there's going to be a nagging girl right there or a wife right there. She doesn't hit me with all the things that have gone wrong throughout the day when I first walk in. Why? Because she's trying to create a place where family can actually do life together. What does it mean to do that for you today? I, we could spend a lot of time on what it means to love like family, but I want you just to think about that. How can I sympathize with others? How can I love them as family? Then he goes on to say this, be tender-hearted. Now this one may be a little bit harder to understand 
So um, I started doing a little bit more of a re- you know, word study on this. This is, the, this is the one out of the four traits that actually is mentioned one other place in the scriptures. And in that place, it's translated compassionate. In fact, other translations will actually use, instead of tender-hearted, it will actually use compassionate. What does it mean to be compassionate? So think about it. If we're, if we're to actually, if these are kind of traits, we sympathize, we love others as brothers and sisters, then we're to be compassionate. How do we do that? Well, that means to have mercy. That means to have concern for. That means to act kindly towards that person, to have pity towards that person, to actually recognize what's happening, to have compassion. The church right now needs to be a place of compassion, not a place of judgment. I know some of us feel like our job is to be the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's job, do you know what that is? He's not only the one who empowers, but he's the one that convicts. And some of us have forgot that the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict, not us. Do you think the world knows that what they're doing is wrong? I actually believe they do. I don't think I have to point it out. In fact, I think that my life, when lived out properly as a follower of Jesus, will actually show them the difference and will convict. That's what Jesus um, challenges us to when we read other spots in the scripture. Peter's kind of addressing the same thing. In fact, Ephesians 4.32 says this, be kind to one another. So Paul writes this, be tenderhearted, oh here we go, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Oh snap. I'm to forgive others like Christ forgave me. That is a huge thing. So when the scripture says be tenderhearted, it's actually being connected to forgiveness. If we're to be tender-hearted, if we're to be individuals who show compassion towards others, then what we have to do is we have to recognize that we have been called to not only sympathize with others, not only to just love them, but also to show compassion to them, to understand that the way we live is making a difference in the world around us. Think about what Christ has done for you. Kasha and I were talking about that this past week, And with tears in her eyes, she said, I just, I wish that we, and she says, myself included, would just remember what Christ has done for us. That we wouldn't get so prideful and just think we've done it on our own, but that it's actually been all because of what Christ has done. He laid out the instructions for what we were building, and we can follow them. Exodus chapter 34 says this, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. This is the Lord saying that. God has always been a God of compassion towards his people, and I'm so thankful he's compassionate towards me. I know some of you have only sinned one time. But aren't you glad even for that one time you sinned that there was compassion? That you didn't get the right response in that moment? God's compassion has been essential for mankind and for the maintenance of his covenant with his people. And we can consistently come to the Lord. So like Pastor Bryce earlier was talking about in our worship at the end when he was kind of wrapping that part up, he said the reason why many times we'll sing these songs over and over again talking about the greatness of God is why? Because when we sit there and think about the compassion that the Lord has shown upon us, we're like, man, I just can't help but sing this over and over and over again because of what he's done for me. Scriptures go on to say this, and keep a humble attitude. What does it mean to be humble? Humility is probably one of the most misunderstood of all the Christian virtues. And yet, it might be one of the most important. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to what? The humble. That's pretty crazy. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
Paul Carter in his uh, article in, in the Gospel Coalition, he wrote this. Uh, it was, the article was entitled, Three Things Biblical Humility Is and Is Not. Three things it's not. Here, here they are, just, just real quickly. Three things it's not. Biblical humility is not insecurity, it's not indecisiveness, and it's not inactivity. And he unpacks those, and you can go read the article later. It's actually a pretty good article. And then he says, there's three things, though, that biblical humi humility is. And he says this. The first is this. It's utter dependency upon God. The second thing he says is it's unconcerned for power, prestige, or position. And then he says the third thing is it's unquestioning acceptance of God's word. See, when we are humble, we're okay with others getting the credit. When we're humble, we stay dependent upon God. When we're humble, we don't question his word and think that we know it better and we can put the pieces together a little bit better than the instruction manual. I mean, you're pretty close, but what would happen if I took this? Think you could figure it out? Maybe. You could maybe figure it out, but it's a lot easier when you have the instructions, right? Make sure you put those stickers on straight. Okay. Don't mess it up. Okay. All right. Hey, you're doing great. Give her a big hand, everybody. So I'm a words of affirmation guy, so I really love it when I get words of affirmation. It's probably why I became a pastor. Because the only thing I ever hear is really positive things. <laughs> it's like Leadership 101. Everyone will love you. <laughs> it's actually probably one of the most difficult things of, of any type of leadership. What's interesting is Peter, when he's addressing this, he actually then switches gears from this idea of, hey, here's four traits to being one. And then he says, let's talk about real quickly what it's not. And, and I just want to just go over this real quick. He says, first of all, in verse 9, he says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with what? A blessing. Okay. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. What if my response when the girl pushed me in buckle was not or even like, dang, she's strong for being skinny. What if mine was actually a blessing? And that's what I was really challenged with. It's like, why did, it, why did a blessing not flow out of me? I was prepared. Like, I, I knew I'd read the passage. I'd been studying the passage this week. I spent all day Wednesday reading through it and just studying it and the different thoughts. And, and here I am in the middle of buckle. And instead of speaking a blessing over someone who insults me, I'm ready to speak a curse down on her. Like, God... Touch not thy anointed one right now. Send down fire from heaven in the middle of buckle. You know, like. <laughs> How do we speak a blessing? We have to have the mind of Christ. Peter goes on to say this. For the scriptures say, and then. What Peter's going to do is he's actually going to look at the scripture. And this is what's interesting. He actually quotes from Psalms 34, 12 through 16. He says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good and search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and the ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. What is Peter sharing with us? Just more, more keys, more traits, more things that we can apply to our lives. Why? Because if we'll apply these to our lives, we'll be more connected to the mind of Christ. See, Jesus is the key. So for Pete's sake, be one, but be one with Christ. 
If I told you just to be one, you'd say, man, okay, I, I think I can figure that out. But when I tell you be one with Christ, it's going to take some time. When we look to the cross, one of the things that we begin to realize is, that, is at the cross is where everything is taken care of. And guess who's not on the cross? It's not you or me. You, you can't live a good enough life. You can't be a good enough person. You can't stand before God one day and be like, I did it on my own. Because those who will, will be cast into eternal lake of fire. And will spend eternity from God. I was reading this other book, I can't even remember what it was this week, and and in it, it was talking about the greatest agony of the cross was not the physical torture that Jesus endured, but it was the moment where Jesus was separated from the Father. Most of us will probably never be crucified. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but chances are very, very slim that it does. So even though the chances of us maybe understanding the physical thing that Jesus endured, maybe we could understand that if we had gone, if, if that happened in our life, right? But the one thing that we could never, ever experience, the only one who could experience would be Jesus, was a complete separation from the love of God. Which is what hell will be. And it is the greatest tragedy that mankind will ever face. And it's exactly what Jesus did for us. Peter continues to talk in the passage of Scripture and talks about how, and you can read this later on your own, but in chapter 3 he starts talking about how to suffer for good is actually, you know, something that is actually good. And he says there's a cost to following Jesus and there's a cost to our forgiveness, and he talks about what Christ has done. And then he closes it out in verse 22, and he says this. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God, and all the angels and the authorities and powers accept his authority. And we can see that, and we can see and picture the Father being there on the throne, and we can see Jesus at the right hand and we can get that word picture, and then we can go over and we can read in Paul's letter to the Romans, in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, and it says, Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. It's interesting because Paul wrote Romans, Peter wrote First Peter, and yet both of them talk about Jesus being sat at a place of honor next to God. When Paul shares it, he gives us an even bigger glimpse of what Jesus is actually doing in that moment, and he's making intercession for us. So for Pete's sake, be one with Christ. I wonder today what it would look like for us to be one with Christ. I wonder how many of us have been pushing back the instruction manual and saying, I can do this on my own. I got this. I can figure this out. I don't need no instructions. I don't need the word of God. I got this. Some of us think we've been good enough. We, maybe you've been serving the Lord a long time. And you're like, I know everything there is to know in the word of God. No big deal. Like, I got it. I don't need to dig back into God's word, really, because... When I was a kid, I went to Sunday school every day. It's great. One of the things, though, I believe God's constantly calling us to do until we see him face to face is take steps in our relationship with him. One of the things I love so much about the older generation here at Bethany, and this is true, this is an honest statement, is the hunger and desire of our older generation to continue to take steps. continuing to say, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to be in there, I'm going to be involved, I'm going to be a part. And we, the younger generation, well, I'm in the middle generation. I'm, I'm not the young generation anymore, but sometimes I think I am, but I'm not. 
But we can learn from that. Why does Hebrews talk about not forsaking the assembling of the saints together? It's talking about it not because somehow the church needs to be more full. It's because you and I need each other. Because guess what? We're all a bunch of different pieces. And by ourselves, it's not that impressive. But when we actually come together, something amazing can be built. Great job. She's getting close. Why? Because she's following the instructions. And what's it going to be? It's a race car. And someone designed what that was to be built into. Just like God designed you and I to be built into something amazing together. Individual pieces. But when put unity together with the mind of Christ, something amazing happens. Something amazing happens. What would happen if today we recognize that? If even when we got shoved in the middle of shopping, we looked at that person and instead of a curse coming out of our mouth, a blessing came out. What if people who looked different than us, we recognized that they were God's creation, no matter the outward appearance? Because I don't know about you, but things change as you get older. We all change in shapes and sizes. But yet in the midst of all of that, God still has a plan to connect us and unify us together. And Peter in chapter 3, for Pete's sake, is saying, be one with Christ. Be one with Christ. Be one with Christ. For Pete's sake, be one. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I recognize that maybe today you're in this room and you're thinking in your mind, you're thinking, man, like, it'd be great to be one with others, but man, I, I feel really, really different. In fact, maybe even today you feel a little bit like the outsider. And you're wondering, can I really be a part of the family? And I believe this, that God wants you to know that yes, you can. So that whether you're watching in the room here today or whether you're watching here later online or, or you're even watching right now online and you're wondering, can I be a part of that family? Would they ever accept me the way I am because this or that has happened in my life or, or I've made this choice or I've done this or I have this opinion? And you're thinking that you got to somehow get it all together before you can ever be a part of the family. And God today is saying this, listen, no, I'm madly crazy in love with you right now, right where you are, in your brokenness, in your messed upness, in all that right now. I love you right where you are. And that love I have for you transcends all time and all things you've ever done. I'm crazy, madly in love with you. So much so that I sent my one and only son, Jesus, to die upon a cross for you and for your sins so you could be set free, so you could have freedom. Because I want you to be a part of the family. And if today you're in this room or you're watching online and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never said, Jesus, make me clean. Forgive me of my sin. I want to be a part of the family. If you've never prayed that, we want to pray with you together today. And we believe this, that this moment right here can be the beginning of something new in your life to where you become a part of what God's trying to build. And you're a part of the family. So we're going to join with you today. If that's you who is praying that prayer today for the first time, or maybe it's a time of recommitment, you've walked away from the Lord, and you're like, man, I, I need to recommit my life. Okay, this is your moment. This is your time. But we're going to say this together because we believe this, that we are family. And we believe that God has something great in store for you today. So would you all join with me and pray this prayer? Would you say, Jesus, 
right now, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you change my life? From this moment forward, I will live for you. Be Lord of everything I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, the Bible says this, the angels in heaven are rejoicing, and Jesus came in and he forgave you of your sins. He washed your sins away. Like, I know that sounds like crazy, like what? He literally has forgiven you of everything you've ever done wrong in that one moment because you prayed that prayer and took that step. The cross is enough. And what Christ did on the cross is enough. That is our mandate as followers of Jesus, to give that away to other people. Now here's what's beautiful about instructions and about a manual, is you're really close. You can't fit that piece on? Maybe I'll help you here afterwards. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we can take a look at it here afterwards. Looks like it goes this way where that's forward. Yeah. Um, this is yours to keep. Yeah, you're welcome. And this is the nectar of the gods. Look at your mom right there and take another swig. Whoa. You almost swallowed your gum? Oh, that would not have been good. We'd have to do like the Heimlich maneuver there. Yeah. Basically, what you've got to witness is her following instructions and building something amazing. What could happen, guys, if we actually put ourselves in a place of unity? What could we build together in Adrian? What could we build together around the world? Come on, think about that. That's what God put together when he put together the word of God for us. As he said, you're a part of something amazing. Just follow the plan. For Pete's sake, for Pete's sake, be one with Christ. Be one with Christ. We love you guys. Have a great week. We'd love to see you guys next Sunday. God bless.